to The Interlude with Drew. What's up, everybody? This is Andrew McCain. Welcome to another episode of The Interlude with Drew. I have a very special guest here today. You know him probably just by face. You've heard his music, and God has been using him in a mighty special way. This is James Wilson, my brother. Thank you so much for being a part of this uh, interview, this episode today. How's everything going with you, man? Drew, what's what's up, man? I'm I'm honored to be on the on the podcast, man. And uh, man, everything's been going great. Uh, it's been a really cool season of life. Uh, getting married here pretty soon. Yes, sir. Congrats and, again, man. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you, man. And uh, so, yeah, bro, it's it's been great, man. I can't complain. God's been God's been incredibly kind to me, for sure. Praise God, praise God. So I, w- I wanted to ask you, how was 2020 for you? It was a strange, uh, unexpected year for all of us, but how was it particularly for you? Man, it was uh, it was interesting. I think for everyone, it was interesting. Um, but for me, uh, I had been on staff at uh, Living Hope Church in Maryland uh, for, I think, six and a half years and made the decision to step out on the road full time, uh, you know, ministering. And so it was, you know, that was kind of like the wrong if you're going to pick a year to, yeah. <laughs> to, to step out and start traveling full time. Uh, 2020 probably would not have been the year, but man, God was faithful. Um, you know, I, I was able to still do ministry, um, and, and still make it, um, God just, you know, for me, man, it just seemed like God blessed me more in 2020 than, than maybe I had ever been blessed before. And I, you know, I know that probably isn't the case for everyone. Um, but man, I'm really grateful for, uh, what God just did and how God kept me, you know, in, in 2020. And, uh, so yeah, man, it was, it was a cool year. It was a, a a different year. Definitely was a different year. Um, but overall, man, I can say God kept me. Uh, I didn't have want for anything. Um, you know, I, I had COVID. I didn't die. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you've had COVID and you didn't die, like, hey, man, that's that's a testimony because uh, not everyone uh, made it out. So, um, yeah, it was it was a it was a good year. It was a good year overall for me. That's it good. really was. All right. So taking it back to the beginning, you're originally from Mississippi. So what was yeah. it like growing up in the South? And when did you first kind of fall in love with music? Man, growing up in the South was was awesome. Uh, you know, it, I, uh, you know, down South, man, it's very, there is a such thing as Southern hospitality. People generally are pretty friendly and, and nice. Um, and so I loved growing up in the South. Um, obviously every place has its, um, uh, is bad things about it. And I think, you know, the South is probably, you, you experienced, uh, you know, probably like racism and stuff like that, maybe more than you would uh, up north. Uh, At least it's not as um, outward as, you know, it's not as outward up north. Um, But overall, man, my personal life, I experienced that stuff. But man, I was really blessed to be at a great church um, where people just, uh, people just love me. People of all different colors, creeds. We were a multicultural church in Mississippi. And uh, so it was just a, it was a great experience. And then my dad was a music minister of the church uh, from the time I was probably six ish. And so, man, I just, as far as music, I just grew up around it. Um, My dad is is an organist, a pianist, and uh, he's kind of the trailblazer in our family. Before him, we kind of sang, but uh, not many people played instruments, so he's kind of like the the patriarch man. And there's a whole there's a whole you know slew of of guys in our family now. I have a bunch of cousins that can out all outplay me oh, wow. on 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 instruments. And uh, my dad was kind of the 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 trailblazer for that in our family. But uh, yeah, man, I just I grew up around it, uh, very musical family, and so I'm blessed. Uh, because I think and you can relate to this probably being from a musical family. You know, a lot of times um, 
it's it's better for you to catch things than it is to be taught things. Oh, and I just absolutely. caught I yeah. caught so much by just being around it. You know, things that I just that come natural to me, right? That are second nature to me. I just got because my dad was a musician and I right. was around it. You know, so uh, yeah, man, that was that's kind of my story about how I got into music. Yeah, that's incredible. And the thing is, I feel like a lot of people that are fans of James Wilson don't even realize how good you are on keys, guitar, drums, <laughs> definitely drums. And no. what else do you play? Do you play bass as well or? I, I can dabble on bass, but, and that's how I feel like, especially now, especially now, because I don't play at all anymore. The only literally the only time I play keys or drums or anything, mainly keys is just if I'm trying to produce something and mm -hmm. I, so I don't, don't, don't throw me on a, a board during service. I'm, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to carry you there, but uh, I find that yeah, hard man. to believe. Cause I mean, when I first met you, when I first met you, I saw you playing all these things. I was like, this guy is crazy. <laughs> so I, I thought, I thought that's just what it was. And then next thing you know, we find out that you're uh, like a great singer and songwriter too. So oh, man. that, that kind of leads me to my next question. When did you write your first song? Um, I don't know the exact age, but I know I remember very vividly when I first kind of realized that God had given me an ability to do this. Uh, I was, I don't know the exact age, but I was a kid. Maybe I'm just going to say maybe around eight, okay, eight or nine. And uh, I was singing in the shower. <laughs> Just just make just made up a song off the top of my head. Just mm -hmm. was just worshiping, man, honestly. And my mom heard me and uh she said, you know, James, you know, where where'd you hear that song? I've never heard that song before. What is that? And so I just told her, I said, Hey, I said, I made that mom, I just made that up off the top of my head. And you know, she kind of looked at me and just was like, James, she said, son, that's that's a gift. She said, This is what we're gonna do. She said, we're going to get you a notebook. We're going to get you a pen. She said, every time you start getting these songs in your head, she said, I want you to write them down. Because yeah. that's that's like everyone can't do that, you know. Right. And for me, I was like, oh, you know, because I like it was for me at the time, it was, you know, it was effortless. Like I wasn't trying to do anything cool or special. It was just I was just singing, you know. And so, man, I'm really grateful to my parents and, you know, for, for that, because had she not done that, I might've just thought it was something that everybody can do. Right. And right. obviously a lot of people can do, and I'm not saying I'm some special anomaly and nobody else can do what I can do. I'm not saying that, but I think it's important to recognize when God gives you something uh and because then you can take it and start honing it right and so right. that's what i did man I, after then there was a a conscious you know there's i was made aware that this was something that i needed to do and so from there just uh you know obviously i was eight i wasn't sitting down every day writing but there yeah, was a yeah. seed that was planted in that moment you know that ultimately led me down the path i've, I've gone down so that's great. So I, I had, you know, I, we got a chance to do like the, the zoom uh, songwriting sessions last year. So I had a, yeah. a glimpse into like kind of what your process looks like, but overall, what's your general songwriting process? Like, man, I mean, it, it varies, obviously. Um, you know, I kind of give, usually I give like a general template of what I, what I do. And this is more for like what I would call maybe ballad type songwriting is this doesn't apply for every style and every type of songwriting, but it's a good kind of general rule of thumb that I kind of, you know, keep in the back of my mind whenever I'm writing songs, but you know, songs, songs are to me are telling a story. Right. right. And, and when you tell a story, there's all there always has to be a conflict and a resolution. Um, usually, not not always, you know, yeah. and worship music can be a little different sometimes, but usually I'm trying to find that conflict in the verse, you know, that, you know, the verse is, is where there's going to be conflict and, and turmoil and 
and bad stuff happening, you know, if I can say it that way. And then the, the, the uh, course is going to be the resolution of that. Then the bridge just kind of reemphasizes, restates the, um, what happened in the course, uh, the, the resolution. So that's kind of like a general, general idea. But I mean, there's a whole bunch of nuances to it, right? You know, you, you come with an idea and usually I think for songwriters, it's really important that you set the song up right. You know, it's like building a house. If you don't have a good foundation, the house isn't going to be uh, viable, right? The house yeah. is going to going to be open to, to, to failing, right? So I think setting the foundation, like knowing where you're going to go, genre-wise, knowing where you're going to go, because if not, you can get scattered knowing lyrically where you're going, musically, what you kind of want, arrangement-wise, what you kind of want. So usually when I go in, I, I go in with a template, a song that I want it to sound like I'm kind of thinking I want it to sound like and uh, feel like and all these things I'm kind of going into it uh, with and uh, and then just going from there. But uh, I mean, that's the the general I could I could talk about it for for a long time. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. General yeah, idea. It definitely varies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. So when you're writing, do you typically do do it without an instrument, or are you on keys more, or guitar? What, what what would you say you uh, use most of the time when you're writing a song? Yeah, I'm definitely always on an instrument, and okay. uh, I think it I think it varies on you know what style I'm writing because um, I I mean. I write differently whenever I'm on a, a guitar. Right. It's going to be more, more the CCM, you know, singer songwriter, just kind of that that route. Whereas if I'm on keys, it's probably going to lean a little more uh, towards the gospel, um, you know, gospel route. So yeah. just depending on what feel I'm going for, you know, if I'm if I'm writing like "Wait on the Lord," I wrote that uh, on guitar. Okay. Um, and then um, I'm trying to think of another one, like maybe like Oh Magnify, which I mean, that started out a little different than anything that I've ever done because mm -hmm. I actually started out that song. I'd never do this, but I started that song with music first. I typically don't do music oh, first. Wow. Usually it's lyrics, but okay. I started out Oh Magnify with, with that uh, synth riff at the beginning. I was just fooling around on the you know, in Pro Tools and came across that sound. And that was like the first thing that I played and then built the song out from there. But uh -huh. um, it uh, usually, yeah, I mean, it varies. It just kind of varies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you you mentioned it, but you have a great uh, ability to blend gospel and CCM music. Who were your influences growing up? I mean, the obvious one is Israel. Yeah. Israel, yeah. I think Israel Holton. <laughs> Uh, if you listen to my music, it's probably obvious. Okay, this guy likes Israel Hope. <laughs> um, because, I mean, so much of Israel stuff comes out in, in, in my music. And uh, he's a huge influence. Ty Tribbett, I think, is really good at that. You know, yeah. Ty obviously leans a little more gospel with, with his feel. But uh, Ty was really good. So those are two big influences. Um, and I'll say this, too. Like, Israel, right? He he comes by it honest because and I was it was funny. I was listening to his new album the other day, and he's just talking about how you know he has a white mom, but he's a black kid. But they went to like a Hispanic church. Yeah, school. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, so he's like he's genuinely just a motley of a bunch of different. And I feel the same way, man. Like for for a large part of my life, I was like a black kid that went to like a predominantly white church, and then eventually it kind of morphed. You know, but, you know, I just had so many, like my pastor was a huge Southern gospel fan. So okay. I like, I was just exposed to so much. And, uh, and so, you know, by the time I was 12 and 13, I was listening to a lot of CCM stuff. So it's, I think it just kind of comes out in my music, you know, that that's kind of who I, I, I am and who I was growing up. I just had a, a love for all different types and styles of music. And so, you know, the way I like to say it is, man, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a kingdom sound, 
And yeah. not saying that any other thing isn't, but yeah. I just always think it's really cool, man, whenever you can just throw a bunch of stuff together and it works. If it doesn't work, then okay. But when you can throw a bunch of genres together, and you know, like I've always been a fan of singing, you know, and even genres, you know, like singing a, uh, singing, like I love that Kirk Franklin will do like a pop record, but right. like have gospel BGVs on it, you know, right, or right, do right. like a hip hop or R&B record, but have like BGVs on it. Like I've just yeah. always, I've always loved that. Something that you think, man, like this shouldn't have like BGVs and gospel style vocals on it, but it yeah. does. Yeah. Or you have somebody that's like CCM that's doing like, you know, like doing like that's on a gospel song, but they have like CCM style vocals. Like, I right, just, I don't right. know. It's just different. I just yeah. love it. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. So you you attended Urshan Bible College, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So how did that? How did attending that college shape your ministry? Like, what I know, I'm sure you had a whole lot of experiences there and kind of cut your teeth there. How did that shape your ministry now? Man, that year was life changing. I would not be where I'm at. I would not be doing what I'm doing without it. There is so much that I learned. Um, number one, uh, spiritually, it helped me. I grew a lot and I was, like I said, I'm a one and done. So I was only there for a year, but spiritually I grew a lot. Uh, number two, uh, I made connections there that, um, I didn't even realize at the time were going to be what they were. Like, for instance, I met Andy Ferguson there. Andy played on my first, first record. And yeah. You know, I met Pastor Staten there. Little did I know that I would be there for six and a half years of my life. So just the relationships and connections that I made there propelled me. And then third, last but not least, uh, I was a part of the live recording that we did there that year, which was an all original recording. Yeah. And um, man, it was just so it was so life changing because I got to see the process of a live recording. And, um, I had been behind the scenes, uh, before, um, I had a song that placed on, uh, Sherry Jones Moffitt's uh, power and authority album whenever I was 20, 21, somewhere around there. And so it was really cool. I got to be behind the scenes for that recording, be there for all the rehearsals, you know, and see all these monsters. So, Daryl Freeman was playing. Uh, oh, wow. Tim Mason was playing. Okay. Uh, Spud, uh, I can't think of Spud's real name, but Spud. C. Wright, uh, C. Wright, Robert. C. Wright, yeah. <laughs> he was he was there playing. So it was just a bunch of wow. monsters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donald Lawrence was there, Myron Butler. So I got to see them do it, but it was kind of like I got to see the process of the week, which is the template that I took ultimately. And that's what I use for my recordings, their process, how they kind of did things. Right. I, t- I take their exact process and that's what I do whenever I do my recordings. Um, but the Urshan um, recording was so important because I got to see just the entire thing from start to finish. And I learned so much about production, about um, playing what is right like playing the right things Mm -hmm. to make a a a song work right you know just a producer's mindset versus a player's mindset right right just all these different things and and a lot of it again wasn't just we we didn't just sit down and just um just discuss this stuff but keith pace uh who was the dean of music or whatever you call it at the time at urshan had been a part of like several Marvin Sapp recordings with Aaron Lindsay. Oh, okay. so he had he had learned from the best man. Like if you if you go to Sapp's like uh, man, the Never Would Have Made It recording, like you can see Keith in the background. He's like oh, running okay. tracks. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so he's like Keith had been a part of just some dope records from start to finish. He was basically, I think, Aaron Lindsay's assistant. So, oh, okay. He he knew how this process went. So that was important because I got to watch him. And yeah. so, man, it was, long story short, it was a transformational year. Uh, 
because of all of those reasons. And I wouldn't be where I'm at now without it. Wow, that's amazing. All right, so I think it was, it had to have been like 2013 when you moved to Maryland? Yep. It was 2013. Yep. So uh, what, what was that transition like? And how did you feel the call to move uh, to Maryland? Because that's, that's the year we left. So that, that's why I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, those are good times, man. Yeah. It's funny. I like, I, uh, I don't think I had heard of you guys before I got there. Cause that year is when y'all did Congress. So that's when like everybody heard yeah. about McCain. Yeah. 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 So I, bro, I'll never like coming in being like, who are these cats? <laughs> <laughs> like a whole family singing and playing like what yeah. in the world? But, uh, no, nah, man, good times. I, um, it was, it was a different, it was different for me, man. Cause I was there interning in Maryland. I wasn't planning on staying. Right. right. Um, I was planning on coming there for that year or uh, for that summer and then heading right back to Maryland, but or heading right back to Urshan. But uh, man, I, I got there and uh, just being at the church, uh, being around Pastor Staten, um, it was undeniable by the end of the summer that that was where I was supposed to be. Oh. And um it's just, it's incredible how God works, man, because I left Mississippi, got out of nursing school, right? So I was in nursing school, had finished one semester of clinicals. I had three semesters left. I would have been a registered nurse. Oh, wow. And God spoke to me right before that second semester and was, was like, hey, it's time. It's time to go. And so it was like a, it was a very agonizing decision mm. for me to leave nursing school and go to Urshan because man, three, you know, my dad didn't really want it at the time. My pastor was, you know, and they were both, I both got their blessing, but it wasn't what they wanted. They were just saying, if this is what you feel, you can do it. But so I, just leaving home, Mississippi was a big step and then going to Urshan. Yeah. But then getting to Urshan and then saying, you know what? Psych, you know, like <laughs> that's what it felt like. It felt yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. like, psych, hey, yeah. actually, I want you to go to Maryland. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. just like, what? Yeah. It's like, but a man, yeah. But it was literally Urshan was the way for me to get to Maryland. Yeah. And, and everything, I, and I needed all the stuff, I needed all the stops. You know, I need, I needed what I got at Urshan. So, like right. you said, it was a detour. Yeah. but a necessary detour because right. I wouldn't be where I am without that detour. So man, stopped there and came to, came to Maryland. And, uh, it's been the greatest decision I've ever made, bro. You know, wow. with the help of God, yeah, it, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's changed my life. It's, I don't, I can't imagine being anywhere else and, and having a pastor that was as on board with me doing my first recording as, as pastor state. And he right. didn't, the thing about it is I don't think he really understood what we were trying to do. Yeah. Like, it was just like recording, you know? And I remember thinking like, man, I don't even know people show up. Cause I don't think they, like, I don't think people understood what it actually was. You know, it's mm -hmm. just like, it was such a foreign concept for our church. And for, yeah. 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 I think even the district, it was just like, okay. Yeah. So you're going to like record, like this isn't a concert. It's like, yeah, no, right, this, right, is a, yeah. this is a recording. So yeah. we're going to record these songs and like release them later. It's just kind of like, okay. Like you, so you kind of got the feel from people like, okay, so why should I show up? You know? Right, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. Trust me. Like yeah. I remember telling trust me. No, yeah. you want to be there. It's going to be good. Like, wow. <laughs> but man, I mean, they just got behind me, supported me. And then I think, once everyone was there at the recording the night of, they're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I get I it." Came. You know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad <laughs> I was here, but uh, no, nah, man, Maryland is Maryland. It's been amazing. That's been amazing. great. So I remember, um, two thousand around two thousand fourteen. Um, it felt like you had done so much work to get the music department, like you were training mus musicians, training singers, and you guys even released a single called "Forward in Faith." in uh 2014 yeah. what was that like being able to like really sew into their ministry to kind of like they they could already sing and stuff but you kind of elevated them and brought them you know to a higher place it was probably one of the most uh, rewarding things uh one of the most challenging things i've ever done 
but very rewarding, man, because, um, you know, when you, when you could invest in someone and they succeed, I don't know that there's anything uh, more rewarding than that. I think it's in a way even more rewarding than you yourself being successful when you yeah. can pour into someone. So it was cool, man. I learned a lot um, about how to, how to train and motivate. And, and, and that's what it was. You know, it was a lot of motivating and training and getting them to believe that they could do it. Um, and, and just, you know, like Eric Sylvia, who is a really solid drummer now, I'll never forget teaching Eric how to play drums and and thinking this boy will never be good. Like he was horrible. (laughs) Like when I say this cat was, I mean, like trash, I mean, horrible. And I just remember thinking, like he'll, like he just doesn't have it. Like he, he'll never get there. And man, he just worked hard. We stuck with it, and then one day it just clicked, bro. I mean, just out of nowhere, just boom. And yeah. the dude was just killing. You know, he's such a solid. He's such a solid drummer now. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it was. It was a process, man, of just believing in people and pushing people, motivating people, spending a lot of time. Oh yeah. I spent a ton. I mean, there's no shortcuts to training people, man. All I right. spent hours and hours and training, you know, training Maddie and training Eric and training some of these. And the cool thing, there was they were all teenagers, kids, basically, right. you know, so I, mm-hmm. they had time. I had time. That was my job. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We just we just worked really hard. And I think God really helped us to be able to really take the team to the next level. But I definitely could not have done it without their willingness. They were willing to do whatever I said. And then Pastor Staten was behind me 100%. So it was a special, it was a special time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that had to be rewarding because you definitely sold and, and put in the time and effort. So yeah. around 2016, I remember specifically, I think it was Periscope. You remember Periscope? I think you, oh, were, yeah. you, were, you were on there and you were talking about, like you were really being passionate about apostolic writers, songwriters, writing life music. And and just yeah. saying, you know, we we have we have songs that we sing in church, but we also need to have songs that we sing that help us through our, our throughout our daily life. Then you release the song home around that time. And and that that definitely went directly with what you were talking about. But then about the next year, I, I feel like you you started to have the burden, okay, we're singing everybody else's songs. Why don't we have like adequate songs that are apostolic songs that we can sing? And then out of that, I believe was Bert, the recording that you talked about for songs uh, for the church. So talk about like both of those burdens, because, you know, they're definitely needed in the church. So first, the burden for apostolic life music and then the burden for apostolic uh, church songs. Yeah, I think both are important, man, because the truth of the matter is sometimes you don't you don't want to go into deep worship. Sometimes you just want you you want music to listen to when you're riding down you know riding down the road in your car and honestly you know live music can minister to you in a way that worship music can't right because worship music is vertical right, right. you're 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 talking to god you're worshiping god you're adoring god but live music is different because really in a way you're you're talking about each other right you're i'm talking about what i'm going through i'm talking about it's just a lot more it can it can specifically minister to you versus ministering to god so i think i think both are very important and you know i think a a person who's who's incredible at this is obviously you know and he's kind of even pinned you know pinned the uh the i guess the phrase but you know john mcreynolds with life Yeah. you know the life room or whatever he calls it but i mean it's the same concept you know it's it's life music it's it's right. helping you with with um just everyday life type stuff and man those songs are ministered to me in ways that worship music could not you exactly. know and so yeah. i think it's it's very important and i think for our apostolic artists we have so many that are capable of it but 
uh, just never really believed that they could. And, you know, that segues me into just the songs for the church album. You know, I was kind of on the live music train. Like that's kind of, you know, I, I guess that's where I, I did a lot of live music type stuff for a long time. Like I wasn't really trying to do worship music or church music. You know, yeah. I was really writing life type songs, life music type songs. But I was in a prayer meeting in the church by myself. I'll never forget it. Uh, just personal prayer time in either late 2016, early 2017, somewhere around that time. And um, God spoke to me very clearly, man. And I don't say that nonchalantly I say that very I'm you know God spoke to me and and said James I want you to write songs for the church just like that wow. and um he said if it's not if it's not songs that people can do in church I don't want you I don't want you to write them right now I don't want you to I don't want live music like I want you to write songs that people can do in church that people can worship with and and, and that people will do and so uh, that was, you know, that was a year, year and a half, two years before I actually recorded because I was in 2016, I think, or 2017. And then I didn't record songs for the church until 2018. And then we didn't release until 2019. So right. uh, it was a, it was a, a, a while in the making, but again, I received just a very, direct word from from god about it and uh you know that's that's one thing that i really try to preach to people talk to people about is man when you're doing this music thing especially christian music gospel music be spirit-led because the timing that the the success of the songs for the church album was so predicated on the timing of his releases. And bro, like God just set the whole thing. Like, you know, I've had people come to me and say, you know, James, man, just the way you marketed the album, so cheap, you're so smart. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, bro, I, I like, I've learned things now. I've yeah. learned, but the, I was just doing what I felt. And I was just moving, you know, moving when I felt it and doing it, you know, when I felt led from God to do it. And it's just kind of like everything just kind of happened and it was what it was. Right. So, um, you know, I think it was, and, and kind of back to your point, I think it was a moment where God allowed me to be used to help. And I'm not saying I'm the only one, certainly not saying that, but help to kind of shatter a glass ceiling that might've been over apostolic musicians, singers, yeah. songwriters, yeah. to help us realize, um, and it's not about, you know, uh, about us. I don't wanna make it seem like, you know, but to a certain extent, you know, if I can say it this way, apostolic musicians and songwriters, the quality of things hasn't been, you know, yeah. up to par. Right. You know, I think everyone can be honest and say that. So it's not even about us being better than or, or it's just about, hey, man, like for, for us, like we want to do better. And I feel like God helped me to be a part, not the sole reason, but a part of helping to shatter a, a ceiling that's kind of over, you know, that was over us. And I feel like right now, man, we are just in a place that's just, it's, it's crazy right now, the stuff, you know, cause I've been behind the scenes on quite a few projects and it's just crazy the stuff that's about to come out, man. Yeah, yeah. Like it's mind blowing. And uh, so that's, that's what, that's how that whole thing, it was a God thing. I, 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 the only way I can say it is that, you know, it was a God thing to the, it was a miracle. I can't financially, it was a miracle. Just logistically, it was a miracle. There's just so much about it. I could talk for, for a long time about it, but I think 
God used it to to just help help us in you know in that area as apostolic musicians and songwriters. So um yeah, I know I kind of rambled there, but hopefully that no, 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 no. I appreciate that. Your question. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So when in uh, I think it was February 2019, you released this the lead single from the project, Wait on the Lord. And it was a huge success. I believe it went number one on Billboard, right? So yep. that that right there in and of itself was shattering that proverbial glass ceiling. But the, yeah. the interesting thing about Wait on the Lord, you guys did record it at Urshan, right? So Urshan recorded it. I, I wasn't there. Oh, okay, um, okay. So the interesting thing about Wait on the Lord is, long story short, so I recorded, I sent Wait on the Lord to Kevin Howard uh, for those who don't know who Kevin Howard is, he's like an OG in the apostolic yeah. movement for um, just incredible musician, singer, songwriter. So uh, our, our musician and, and songwriter. So I sent it to Kevin because he was doing like a conference where they were wanting to feature original apostolic music. I sent it to him just kind of like an afterthought. Yeah. He heard it. He said, man, this is crazy. Like, why don't you come to this conference and do this song? Teach it, do it, whatever ended up not being able to make the conference. So he said, that's okay. He said, we'll just have Natalie Bunner uh, sing the song. So Natalie sang it the night of, and what a lot of people don't know is that the part of the song that everybody loves, uh, I didn't write the the hook that I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. Oh, okay. I'm going to wait on you. Natalie improvised like spontaneous like god gave that to her spontaneously wow the night that the, the very first night wait on the lord was ever sung mm -hmm. like ever she spontaneously sang it just the way that you're hearing it i mean it's just i still have the recording and i like when i listen to it bro I just it's incredible because god gave that to her right and so right. long story short laura Payne, who was at urshan as the dean of music or whatever, she's a part of the Heart of Worship team. She was there. She heard the song. She loved it. So they contacted me and said, "Hey, can we record the song?" Okay, okay. And so I, um, I said, "Sure." You know, I knew I was going to eventually record it, but um, I kind of had a vision in mind for it, and I didn't think it would we would step on each other's toes there. You know, right. so I let them record it, and then you know, a year or so later, a few months later, then I recorded it. So. Okay. Okay. So being that you had already seen like a powerful move of God with the song, did you in any way anticipate the type of success that it had? Because it like crossed outside of apostolic circles and stuff like that. Did you anticipate any of that? If I can, if I can say it without being arrogant, um, without it sounding arrogant, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, bro. I okay. really did. And I don't, I don't say that in an arrogant way, man, but it was, it was such a, it was such a move of God at the recording. Right. 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 Like yeah. I, it's one of those moments, man, you wish you could relive over. If I could, if I could relive it, you know, I, I'll relive it over and over again. It was such a tangible, powerful move of God that um i really thought now to what extent i think that was the thing mm -hmm. to what extent um i i don't think we really knew but i think we knew uh, okay god god has given us something really special with this song let's see what it will do and so when it started you know going i, I didn't I, I didn't expect billboard number one no yeah, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. stuff i didn't know i didn't expect that no mm -hmm. um but just you know the song is still is still spreading man like i will get you know i got a, a message and i'm not gonna name drop because that's tacky but i got a message from someone who who we all would know and they uh, like a couple of weeks ago two or three weeks ago and they said they had just heard the song wow. and it's just like dude it's crazy because it's been two years and mm -hmm. the song is still is still kind of reaching out. So with to that extent, no, I didn't I didn't think two years from now the song would still still have life and still be ministering to people. No, I, yeah. I really didn't, man. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's that's the hand of God for sure. I was gonna say yeah. um before you said it was tacky, I, I've seen some names on your page 
if you don't yeah. mind, I was I would say the name, but they're they're like the biggest gospel artists are like they they have listened to your music and enjoyed it and like they yeah. follow you they they're 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 excited for what's to come and i think that that's such an incredible thing because you talked about shattering the glass ceiling that would not have happened a few years ago but it's incredible to see what god is doing in this day and time through apostolic music apostolic writers and he's, he's it's, there's a shift that's happening and i'm so glad to see that god is using you to, to kind of like spearhead that so um this past year 2020 we we're talking about how you know it was a rough year for most people, but you still were able to do a live recording songs for the nations. And I remember when I first heard the title of the, um, the, the recording, I was like, okay, we're going to another level of songs for the church now songs <laughs> for the nations. So can you talk yeah. about the vision for that recording and what the experience was like doing that in the middle of the pandemic? Yeah, man, there, again, I'm, I try to be, I don't want to make it sound like I walk around on, on, you know, with my head in the clouds and then I ain't human and God doesn't ever have a hard time getting through to me because I'm human and he does. But man, I, with stuff like this, I just try to be spirit led. And I told God after, after the songs for the church recording, recording, I said, God, that was you. Like, and I, I don't want to do it any other way. I don't want to do another recording just because, all right, it's two years. Like, it's just yeah. it's time. Like, let's yeah. just do another one because that's what you do. So I, ever since, you know, the songs for the church, I've been, I've been praying, God, let me know when. And ideally, what I wanted to do was do a recording around February of 2021 and release this year. But it was July 20, 2020, man. And we were kind of as a nation in, I, I guess it was kind of subsiding a little bit. We, we were still pretty in the, the heat of, the of a lot tension. of the racial yeah. tension and all that, all that junk that was going on. Yeah. And um, bro, God spoke to me and, and, and said, I want you to, I want you to do this, this, this recording. And I'm thinking, okay, Number one, we're in the midst of a pandemic. How are we going to get people together? Are we going to be able to get people together? Is there going to be a huge COVID outbreak? Yeah. And then there's bad PR, just all this stuff. I know, I know when God speaks to me and I know what he spoke to me. And I just felt like I needed to. So that was like mid-July. We had the recording like uh, I think the 3rd of September. So it was like a month and a half. Wow. of time to get ready i had three songs written didn't know oh wow didn't know oh wow did not know what i was gonna do and so in a month and a half bro once i took that initial step contacted the team and 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 let everyone like everyone just was free you yeah, know which yeah, was yeah. crazy yeah everyone was free <laughs> and everyone was down like and then I got in touch with Brother Carpenter and their church, and they were down. And mm -hmm. it was just like, okay, there's something to this for all of this to be. I mean, the stars to be. There was just so much that had to come together so fast. So fast. You yeah. know, if we had months, okay, but like so much had to. And I had a specific date. Like God gave me. Like it's, it's like Lord, in a month and a half, I don't even have. Like I don't have the song. But bro, I, when I tell you God just like poured it on, he poured it on and just worked all that out. And the whole vision behind the project, and which is why I think God spoke to me, man, is, you know, the mantra of the project is in a world uh, where, in a time where people have attempted to divide us, there's a song that unites us and it's the song of the redeemed. And that's what I just felt so strongly because, you know, the, the Bible says in the last days, you know, nation is going to be turned against nation. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have heard this because I think Victor Jackson, several others have said it so people see it. But that doesn't mean just, you know, Africa against China, right? right. That's literally ethnicity against ethnicity, you know, people of, of different ethnic backgrounds. There's going to be a racial tension. and um, and so songs have always been a healing salve 
that has brought people together and not and not only just a song but the song the song of the redeemed people identifying that Jesus Christ has changed my life has always had a way of uniting people in spite of their backgrounds in spite of their differences and here's the thing about it you, we we may see things completely differently but we can still be united because of the banner of Christ and bro it just it, i just felt so strongly you know that overarching theme and just all of that that god was was trying to do and so i mean the night of the recording was powerful man it was it was all of these people right coming together in the midst of a pandemic yeah <laughs> and pat you know and, and so many different people different ethnicities and colors and creeds and just man just coming together under the banner of, of it was beautiful and, and to me i think for everyone that was there it was such a breath of fresh air because of the pandemic and because of the racial tension, because it, it's just like it showed people. And the church isn't always perfect. We don't always get it right in this area. There are racist people in the church. There are people right. that that have problems in the church. But the church can be and should be a place to where it is in complete contrast to what the because here's what I believe. I believe in the last days the nation will be turning this nation. If you think racial tension is going to get better. Let me tell you guys something. I don't think that's biblical. Yes, I think yeah. it might get worse. Yeah. But here's what I believe. I don't believe the church has to be. I don't, think, I don't believe the church has to get sucked into that. I believe people can look at the church and be like, yo, like this, this group of people and this group of people are getting along. Like what, what are they doing? Like for them to get along, like, because outside of the church, people just ain't getting along right now. You know what I'm saying? But some, there's something about these people. They're just, and I, they're just doing it. And, and so that was the whole vision. That was the whole heart behind it, man. And I think God just helped helped us to accomplish that. And then the songs themselves are just a diversity of genres. And I mean, we got... We got some, like the new single that's coming out, He Name I Told, starts out in Hebrew, goes to English, um, and and just has kind of like a, it's it's a whole fusion of different genres, like Latin and, and, and Hebrew, and just, so the whole album is kind of a reflection of the vision, and so anyways, that that's kind of an overarching kind of idea of, of songs for the nation. Wow, that's amazing. I can't I can't wait to hear that. That's that's definitely gonna reach the nations like God gave you the vision for. So yeah. aside from being uh an incredible artist and songwriter, singer, and all that, and musician, you're also a preacher. And that's that was, I believe that's a part of uh you going full-time in ministry, not just to go and sing places, but to preach. When did you yeah. get the when did you receive the call to preach initially? Um, so my pastor. I was one of those pastors that, uh, you know, he, he didn't force preaching on me, but I think he knew before I knew that God had called me to preach. And so he would have me testify, right, <laughs> at 12 or 13, <laughs> right. And I'm just sitting there thinking, this dude, you know, this dude thinks I'm going to be a preacher. He's got another thing coming. Because I knew, I knew the price that you have to pay to be a pastor and a preacher and be in ministry is is sometimes a, a steep price you have to pay to, right. to do this and I didn't want it I would have much rather have been a saint and and be on the pew like be a musician like just like bro that's what I wanted to do but about 16 God just got a hold of me man and I don't know if it was a specific service or moment I don't think I can trace it back to a specific service and moment but around 16 God just made it really clear to me that uh I was called to preach. And so from 16 on, I, you know, I pursued it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the story. That's, that's great. And also um, recently you got engaged. 
which for I think for the majority of the public, that was like a big surprise is being <laughs> that you're such in the public eye. Nobody had a clue. Yeah. So talk about, you know, uh, having a relationship that's kind of not in the public eye under wraps and, you know, God's timing and everything like that, like everything that, you know, encapsulates that relationship. Yeah, man. Well, uh, like you said, I'm I'm engaged to Carly Mooney. Uh, she's an incredible woman, man. And uh, I met Carly at uh, Youth Congress in 2019. And um, you know, for for me, for us, um, I just you know from the jump, I told her, you know, Carly, listen, because I'm in ministry and God has given me a platform. Um, I don't, I don't feel that I have the same luxury as maybe some do to just appear as if I'm just getting in and out of relationships. Right. And that's no knock on, that's no knock on anyone. You know, the moment they start dating someone, they start posting pictures. I, like yeah. there's no judgment. That's not a, there's not a sin. That's not a sin. Yeah, yeah. I have zero judgment for people that do that. But for me, it was just kind of a wisdom thing of just. Yeah. Hey, let's see where this goes. And I told her, I was like, I don't want us to post until engagement. Like, you know, because at that point, you're sure, right? At that point, right, you're yeah. you're you're committing to do this thing. And so mm -hmm. for me, it was all about us, number one, man, just truly allowing the relationship to grow and flourish without the scrutiny of of the public eye and public opinion and because people don't really matter the people who needed to know knew right, right. and yeah. uh, it wasn't we weren't hiding it mm -hmm. it wasn't a secret but it was private you know yeah. what i mean and so yep, that's yep. what i tell people down down where she lives i you know i mean we went to several conferences together you know it it wasn't like we were hiding it but i just wasn't going to post on social media just simply because i felt like it was wise not to because had something not worked out you know you, then yep. you got to go back on your social media and delete all your pictures yep, and yep. all this stuff. And it's just like, were you guys really in love in the first place? You right, know? right. Yeah. All Too that much scrutiny. stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, there's no need to do that. It literally has no, whether you post or not, has no effect on your relationship. Right. So right. why even open the door? So that was our, our, uh, our mentality. And man, I think it was a great decision because we just, we got to just do our thing and enjoy each other and get to know each other. And, um, without, um, feeling pressure. Right. Know? Cause right. I don't do well under pressure, man, especially with relationships. I don't want to feel like I have to, <laughs> I have to be with someone. I want to know that I'm with someone because that's who I really want to be with and who God is, you know, brought into my life. And so, that was kind of the mentality behind it. You know, we didn't do it for for shock factor, although yeah, that yeah, was yeah. pretty funny, man. Just yeah, seeing yeah. everyone just kind of uh, not expected. That was hilarious. But yeah, no, nah, it was just a wisdom thing for us, bro. We just felt like it was wise to just keep it keep it to ourselves. So, oh yeah, yeah, I totally totally understand and agree with that. So now that you're you have this platform that God has given you, and you're in the public eye there are a lot of younger people that look up to you and, and want to be, you know, do what you do and, and be in the position that you're in. What would be your advice for younger ministers or people that are going into ministry? Man, my advice is, and I was talking with someone about this the other day, um, work on the things that nobody else can see. Um, you know, it obviously it goes without saying, um, you got to work. If you're called to preach, you need to be in your word. You need to be studying, not only studying the word, but I think you need to um, study preachers and, and, and study what makes them good. And, and what obviously there's there's a part of this that you can't learn. It's the anointing. Right. But right. you still need to study you know, the, the craft of preaching and, and songwriting and music, you know, music, same thing. You got to study. But then, then in addition to that, I would say, excuse me, I would say 
character. Right. Right. Working on your character. That is the hardest thing we will ever do is to be men and women of character. Because guess what? The truth of the matter is everybody's got skeletons in their closet. Everybody's got a side of them that they don't want nobody else to see. Everybody's got things in their life that they don't want in that, that they rather people not know about. We've all done things. And so the biggest challenge you will have in ministry, one of the biggest challenges you will have in ministry is simply maintaining your character, being the same person on stage as you are off the stage, being the same person in private as you are in public. And man, I just like, I was telling someone the other day, like, and even in this season for me, I've I've gone through a season where I'm just like checking myself and just saying like, yo, if I'm slipping up in an area, like God, I need you to help me because it's you know if it's kind of one of those things if you main characters character is something that has to be constantly maintained, you know, and if you have small character lapses, but you fix them you can keep yourself from having the big character lapses, which will ultimately destroy you, right? right. It's yeah. kind of like going to the gym, bro. Like if you quit going to the gym for one day, not gonna really be able to tell. Yeah. But if you quit going to the gym for two months, right. oh man, you're gonna really be able to. So going, you know, maintaining a physique or maintaining, you know, your jump, like jump shot or something like this, it's a constant thing. Like you have to do it day in and day out. You have to maintain it. You have to cost, but it's easier to maintain it than it is. Yo, know, I ain't shot a jumper in six months and now my shot is whack. Or yeah, I mean, yeah. I hadn't been to the gym in six months and now I'm really sore because I hadn't lifted in six months. So right. your character, I think it's the same way. If you're constantly working at it and constantly trying to, 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 to strive to be completely genuine and completely the same person in and out of the public eye, I think you will ultimately uh, experience, you know, success and, and sustainability. Because here's the thing, I think character lapses and 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 people just making mistakes and doing things i think that destroys more people than just about anything and it's so crazy i was talking to to my manager ray about this you know because it's decisions right like decisions man i could the crazy thing about where i'm at right now is i'm 30 years old i've worked 30 years of my life blood, sweat, and tears, mm-hmm. really 18 years since I was 12 to, to, to get where I'm at right now. Right. But in one moment, all be gone. one moment, yeah. I can destroy everything. Yeah. And it's just like, yo, when you think about that, it's like, whew. like, and so that's my biggest advice to young men and young women is, hey, just like that character stuff. It's the thing we often think about last because it's not shiny. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's not yeah. shiny, bro. It's not. It's not the thing that like we think about. But if you do not work on that, I don't care how talented you are, you'll you'll self destruct. You destroy yourself, and that's everybody. That is myself. I could, bro. I could. I could lose it all tomorrow. Yeah. I am human, you yeah. know. And so, I think that's the biggest advice I would have to young men and young women aspiring to to be in ministry or just do anything in life, you know, it's that, that character thing is really important. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's sound advice because like you said, it's, it's, it's really crazy how you could work all your life to kind of, you know, present yourself in a good way and to, to have good character. And then in one yep. week moment, everything could be gone. It, it's, yep. it's really, it's really yep. crazy how that works, but that's, that's amazing advice. Man, I thank you so much for taking this time out of your busy schedule. I know you got a whole lot going on, but I really appreciate you doing this interview. I know it's going to bless a whole lot of people. So thank you once again to James Wilson. Make sure by the time this airs, his new single will be out. Can you uh, tell them the name of the single? I know it, but I can't pronounce it right. <laughs> Not yet. He, he nay my toes. He named my toes. Uh, so, 
not he named my toe. A lot of people are cracking out there saying he named my toe. No, he named my toe. Hebrew. Yeah. All right. So by the time this comes out, I hope everyone has already bought the single and joined it. And I believe it's going to do great things. So like I always say at the end of these episodes, only what you do for Christ will last. Take it one day at a time and keep it pushing. God bless you. This is another uh, episode of The Interlude with Drew. Until next time. It's the Welcome to The Interlude with Drew.